0: Hello everybody, I'm Matt McCucci and you are listening to the Jazzy's podcast. Hello everybody, Jazz A's online editor Matt Mikuchi here, welcoming you to a new episode of our podcast series of conversations with some of the most amazing artists on the jazz and creative music scene today, a series that we simply like to call The Jazz A's Podcast, and that is brought to you in conjunction with Jazz A's Vinyl Club, a series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz A's editors and that is an absolute must for lovers of jazz and vinyl alike. Jakob Dreyer is a musician born in Germany and currently based in New York City. He got started on the piano but switched to bass at age 14, which soon became his primary instrument of choice, and through which he forges his unique voice today, including on his first solo project as a band leader. Songs, hymns and ballads is a two-volume endeavour that marks his recording debut as a leader and consists of original compositions performed in a quartet. Some of the songs were written while he lived in Europe, others when he made the move to the United States and many of them retain clear connections with specific geographical locations. In this podcast conversation, we get to know more about this artist on the rise. So fire up on Audio Teenie and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. Uh, Hello, Jakob. Welcome to the Jazzy's podcast.
1: Hello. Nice to meet you.
0: One of the things that I like to do to start off these podcasts is in the past I've just enjoyed collecting memories from the musicians that I've spoken with and I'd like to begin this conversation in very much the same vein and just to ask you for a childhood memory or an early life memory that really sticks out in your head when you think back to when your musical journey might have started.
1: I feel like uh, um, there's a... Uh, where I'm from... They have all those like old churches actually and they have the church organ and they had like a open house type of thing and I could play on the organ and that was very impressive. So I think that was might have been the point where it started.
0: In fact, that kind of adds another dimension to something that I read and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you actually started uh, learning music on the piano right so what what, when was that how old were you when you started
1: uh i was about five years old i would say
0: as you get older then your interest in music develops what were you listening to at the time how did your taste in music gradually begin to to evolve in those early years of of learning to play music
1: yeah first uh, i was more interested in like classical music and like uh like simple songs like children's songs and folk songs and then later i was listening more to blues and rock guitar players like for example jimi hendrix uh yeah i think then over the years it gradually changed
0: and so when did jazz come into the picture
1: that was much later um uh, when i was around like 14 I think 13 14 I started playing bass eventually in the like the school they had like a jazz band then I got more interested in jazz eventually
0: Talk to me about that transition from the uh from the piano to the bass because you know there are definitely similarities between the two instruments but on the other hand, they're also quite different. What was your initial approach to the bass? Uh, first of all, did you start on electric bass? What was, this, what was the type of bass that you started on?
1: Uh, electric bass, yeah.
0: Oh, okay. And, and so how did you approach it? Again, it's it's there are similarities with the piano, but... Then again, it's also quite a different instrument. So do you feel like that background in uh, knowing how to play the piano kind of impacted the way you approached the bass right from the beginning?
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely helped. Like going back to when I started, like when I played on the church organ and then I wanted to play the piano, but it's quite different, like the sound. I mean, I like the piano, but I was always kind of um, searching for different instruments, and I was also playing guitar and drums at some point, and always changing around a little bit. Eventually the bass kind of worked for me, and I feel it's kind of similar to the church organ in a way, like especially electric bass with the amplifier. It has this huge sound, I guess, like uh, low notes.
0: Did you have any musicians that you looked up to, particularly on the bass, but perhaps from other instruments, were kind of important to you in those formative years? Mm,
1: Yeah, lots of musicians. For some reason, yeah, Jimi Hendrix was very important for me. Then when I get more into um, jazz... I listen a lot to those uh, Miles Davis recordings, especially like the, uh, yeah, with the old uh, quintet, the Riverside recordings. And then I had like a a Charles Mingus was one.
0: The the musicians that you mentioned, in addition to being amazing musicians, they also were very charismatic, energetic. Did you find their personalities appealing as much as their music?
1: Uh well I yeah of course I never met them so I, I don't know but I like their music definitely yes
0: but you know it's it, they're all obviously amazing musicians uh, when I think of Jimi Hendrix though and I think of like some of your projects I I don't I don't really hear so much his influence as much as I hear maybe like more uh, European influences too. So I'm wondering whether there was a little bit of Europe in there as well that maybe gradually you began to be become uh, interested in.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely yes. Uh, since I started like playing piano, yeah, a lot of like European classical music. I'd say like especially Bach and. From the uh, European, also European jazz musicians like Kenny Wheeler, definitely, and uh, Dave Holland. Yeah, and also, of course, like all the musicians that I met, I think, in, in Europe.
0: Yeah, exactly. And let's talk about that a little bit, because you were born in Germany. You spent uh, some time as well in, in Switzerland, too. and But then you moved to uh, the United States, you moved to New York. Uh, which is kind of a, a must stop for a lot of <laughs> a lot of jazz musicians no matter where they're from, I guess. What was that impact like?
1: Um, yeah, actually I, I never lived in Switzerland, although I've been there sometimes. yeah, I lived a little bit uh, in Sweden and the uh, Netherlands also and then uh, I moved back and then I moved to uh, New York actually it was nice i mean i really like it lots of musicians and yeah i feel really comfortable for some reason in new york
0: did you already know people there that helped you get connected with the with the uh, with the music scene with the club scene where were you playing and what were the audiences like were there any notable noticeable differences between the european scene and the uh the american scene but more specifically the new york scene
1: I already knew some people here, for sure, yeah. Also, there are a lot of European jazz musicians here. And, uh, I mean, the scene is definitely, it's, yeah, it's, it's different. But also, it's almost like New York has, like, several different jazz scenes for different types of music. So, yeah, it's just uh, more people like everything you look for, you can kind of find it
0: here. So uh, obviously you've turned heads with your recordings in the past and there's some fascinating sessions there that people can check out. But the one that I wanted to focus on is is what I've kind of really been digging uh, over the past while, Uh, songs, hymns and ballads. Would it be fair to say this is your uh, debut uh, as a band leader uh, as as far as full-length recordings are concerned?
1: Yes,
0: mm-hmm. that's correct. So before we start talk, talk about the music, what what is that like? The experience of getting you know your first recorded project out there as a band leader, it, it, it must be you know a huge deal.
1: Yeah, it's great.
0: Right, and uh, well, let's talk about it then. Songs, hymns, and ballads. Uh, obviously, there's a concept behind it that I would really love to explore because also, I mean, we should mention uh, there are two volumes now currently currently out but 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 yeah the, the the concept behind it is quite fascinating i wondered whether you'd just like to introduce it for us a little bit and tell us a little bit about it
1: so the concept is uh like uh simple songs with like uh, or let's say like uh, melodies like simple melodies almost like yeah um i mean i've always been like um uh, fascinated with like uh, simple melodies like from folk songs or like uh, church hymns and stuff like that and jazz ballads. So I've wrote a lot of songs like that in the past and then I just recorded them. I think it's like 17 songs and they were released in two volumes and that's Yeah, that's it.
0: The track you are hearing is from Songs, Hymns and Ballads, a two-volume project by Jakob Dreyer, showcasing his unique voice and idiosyncratic style. Both volumes are available now, and we'll talk about them in the second part of our conversation. But first, I wanted to remind you that if you love jazz and vinyl, you should check out Jazz's Vinyl Club a new series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz Is editors and featuring some of the most exciting jazz artists from yesterday and today that we cover in the print version of Jazz Is, jazz Is.com and these Jazz Is podcasts. Go to jazzes.com and click on Join Vinyl Club. But for now, back to our conversation with Jakob Dreyer. The simplicity of these songs, though, is quite deceitful. When I think back to what you said earlier in our interview when I asked you about your earliest memory, you immediately thought of your childhood church, where you first maybe uh, remember awakening to the beauty of music. So this is something that has stayed with you over the years, right? When you talk about hymns, obviously you instantly think of the church, or at least I do, and I think some people, many people do. Uh,
1: right, yeah. I think those... Songs, yeah, that I heard as a child, yeah, I like them. So, yeah, it was uh, an influence, definitely.
0: What about the spiritual side of it? Do you consider yourself a spiritual person? Uh, What's your connection with the uh, spiritual and and perhaps even the religious sphere? And does it impact your music in general, even beyond this project?
1: Oh, yeah, I am, but uh, that's not, I mean, yeah definitely impacts me. Or, but yeah, it's more for the recording, I'd say, what I had in mind is like the the type of music. This um, um, Like, uh, yeah, songs that you can kind of sing, they kind of, they stay with you. This, like, simple song-like songs.
0: So the spiritual so you're not you don't, wouldn't consider yourself quite a particularly spiritual person then. Uh, I would consider myself spiritual.
1: Yeah, but I mean not particular.
0: So really like when you talk about when you mention the word hymns, it's 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 more of a, an aesthetic thing really it seems like. I mean or at least it's right. not the dominating aspect of the music that you'd like to highlight basically. Mm, yeah, not really. Yeah. That's not OK, we talked about the, the, the deceitful simplicity of your music, which you then like to expand on, of course, with creativity, a lot of which is spontaneous creativity to uh, free uh, improvisational and, uh, and and all that good stuff, you know. But how do you come up with those initial, you know, s- simple ideas? And, you know, given the, the, the simplicity of them, do you have any way to keep track of them, to document them, to make sure that you don't forget them?
1: I'd say it takes a while to develop like a melody for me like that. So it's not a, it's not a like a instant thing where I kind of come up with it and then. So most of them, I think they, it took a while to, to write them.
0: Are there moments in your life, uh, in your everyday life even, when you are particularly inspired or even moments of the day?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'd say probably at night for some reason or maybe like in the morning, just uh,
0: in the morning. You're a morning person then. uh, No, I'm not. Oh, you're not.
1: (laughs) Not at all, actually. But I mean, uh, yeah, I feel like it's like a lot of when I'm like in between like being awake and asleep, like this dream type of thing, you kind of have this access to some, unconsciousness uh unconscious stuff so it makes it sometimes easier to be creative
0: right and and then you know looking at the the program too so so many of your pieces refer to appear to refer to places uh you know geographical locations uh in particular so uh, do you view these compositions as a way to kind of re-evoke the emotions that you felt about these places that you were perhaps in at some moment in your life
1: um, yeah I feel like uh, the music itself when you write them uh, write it it automatically kind of has this in it like the way you felt at the time or in that place sometimes I have like a, it's not easy for me to come up with a good title so when I just think back of the time when I wrote it or
0: where I was,
1: I kind of, yeah, I feel like that's very, it's a good way to name the songs.
0: So what did you feel like in Milchstrasse in Hamburg <laughs> in reference to a song from I think the, the volume one actually of Songs, Names and Ballads?
1: That was a while ago and I, I just, or I was at the conservatory in, Hamburg, and it was in that street. And it was a nice time, I think, but also a lot of fear type of, and a little bit like uh, being in this uh, educational institution is kind of a world in itself a little bit. And yeah, it's funny, like, when you look back, how much you were in that and couldn't see the rest of the world a little bit. I feel like that's the song. Uh, that's uh, what it's about a little bit.
0: So, so much like, you know, many people perhaps take a take a photograph of being in that place, you uh, write music that's inspired by your experience of being in that place then. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I singled out that, that song uh, that track, in a way, because uh, Milchstrasse is—correct uh, me if I'm wrong—also the German term for the Milky Way, which then opens up to other parallel universes, and uh,
1: <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah, that's also yeah. that's true. That's funny. I thought about
0: that, but then of course you don't just refer to specific geographical locations. Uh, there's other songs, and uh, you know that are, ti- are, are titled in different ways. Uh, in your second volume, you even have a fat cat that I was interested in asking you about. Actually, uh, what's yeah? What does that's that actually also to?
1: it's also a place. It's oh, a, is it a, okay? Or it used to be a, a well, it still exists, but has a different name, like a jazz club in New York. Actually. Huh.
0: It could only have been a jazz club, actually, Fat Cat. <laughs> and then uh, another track is 2020, which brings me to to my my next question, actually. Uh, t- obviously, 2020, huge, you know, pandemic, and the world kind of came to a standstill, and it was a really challenging time for many of us. But uh, uh, when I speak to musicians, they also were kind of, you know, not grateful, perhaps, but, like, they appreciated the fact that things slowed down a little bit to work on th- themselves, whether on a personal uh, level, but also on a, on a musical level. Uh, uh, some people taught themselves new skills or developed new skills or just, you know, worked on practicing more. What was that period like for you, uh, the whole pandemic period? Mm, yeah,
1: a lot of practicing, I'd say, and... I
0: definitely had some
1: time to write music, which was good. But it was also, yeah, a little bit. I mean, it was pretty like depressing at times, and was a lot of anxiety, and you didn't know what was going to happen.
0: And uh, yet, when I listen to Twenty Twenty, it seems to be hopeful—a hopeful composition. Right. Uh, it's I've...
1: like a two parts. Mm. Yeah. It's a little bit. Both, I'd say, right. So it's, uh, it starts off a little bit like depressing, and then it changes at some point. And that actually also kind of happened that way. I feel like, and then, yeah, first first it was pretty dark, and then at some point it kind of changed.
0: Jacob I'm I'm curious now what uh you know let beyond music what are other things that inspire you like uh we talked about geography but what are the things that you like to do outside of music when you're not playing music to maybe you know recharge the, those batteries and to kind of uh, seek inspiration somewhere else
1: I like uh, I like to go to museums there are a lot of them in New York and um I like uh, sports actually. For example, I, l- I like to play tennis for some reason.
0: Tennis, yes. Say
1: so, yeah, life itself is a, a lot of inspiration there. And
0: life itself, and what is life like now that uh, you know you've released these? two volumes. And first of all, one of the questions that I have failed to ask you is was there any particular reason why it was released as two separate volumes? Was it just a volume of, uh, (laughs) for no pun intended, uh, the amount of compositions that you wanted to release as part of this project? And do you see it continuing? Will there be a third volume to follow?
1: Yeah. So the reason was, in fact, it was uh, too many songs to put it on one recording. So we decided to release it in two volumes. Um, I'm not planning on doing a third volume. I think this is all the compositions that I had in this type of music. So the next recording will probably be something
0: else. Can you talk to me about the musicians in this project?
1: Yeah, they're all fantastic musicians, of course. Yeah, I met them all here in like a different things like geeks or
0: Jason Rigbeek, John Coward Jimmy McBride they're all they're all amazing musicians right
1: they're all amazing they're easy to work with very
0: yeah yeah
1: they're they're really great so what can I say
0: <laughs> is the quartet your favorite setting to work in
1: I like it a lot I also like like trio for example is also a favorite of mine of course, as a bass player, mm-hmm. and uh, those two probably uh,
0: what does the future hold for you then? Is there anything that you are particularly looking to explore with future projects that's like currently in your mind like an obsessive thought of or something a little healthier than an obsessive thought?
1: Yeah, I have a yeah, I have more like songs that I wanna record at some point. And probably it will be the quartet again because, yeah, the type of yeah, music works the best, I guess.
0: Well, we will watch this space. But in the meantime, Jakob, I thank you very much for joining us and talking uh, with us today on this episode of the Jazz Is Podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jakob Dreyer. Both volumes of his Songs, Hymns and Ballads project are available now. And if you love jazz and vinyl, be sure to check out our Jazz's Vinyl Club. Join the club and we will send you four premium limited edition color vinyl albums mailed directly to you. Just go to jazzes.com and click on Join Vinyl Club for more and as music from songs, hymns, and ballads plays us out, I encourage you to keep an eye out for more Jazz podcasts, our print magazine, and other great content available to you on our regularly updated website, jazzace.com. And if you like what you see, you can always subscribe for more. Till the next time, this is Matt Micucci signing off. See you soon.